You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's episode 157 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and tonight we are discussing the new Bandai Captain for Space Marines action figure coming from Games Workshop. We discuss whether or not we want that. And, oh, that one's a doozy. Can, <laughs> can we also discuss the Tesseract mailbox where Kevin writes in and asks how you make narrative campaigns? And also, we have a real talk with the Pemcron discussing boycotting Games Workshop and whether or not the boycott worked. And whether or not they are reeling from all of this lack of revenue or they're like, meh, <laughs> we'll see. What am I up to this week? I'm uh, working a lot on the Brutality Supplement. I'm almost done with it. I really need to work on it. Um, so all of my free time has basically gone to that. And um, spending time with the family. I played uh, Brutality. More testing the Narrative Supplement this week with Josh and Connor. We had a lot of fun with that. Josh had not playtested it. It worked out pretty well. So I feel like the majority of the kinks are kind of worked out. Uh, there might be a couple little typos here or there, but... The proofreading takes weeks after I'm done, so I'm I'm nearly done with this book, and then the proofreading begins. So, um, that's about it. I mean, anything worth mentioning, that's about it. So, let's get on with the show, because we got a lot to talk about. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. On this Tesseract Mailbox, we have yet another Brutality Letter, except that it also basically applies to 40k or Age of Sigmar campaigns too, so don't fast forward just yet, okay? This is via BrutalitySkirmishWarGame at gmail.com. It's not actually PimpCron at gmail.com, but you know what? Bite me. His name is Kevin. Kevin writes, I like the rules in the universe you've built and have discussed the game and list building with my gaming group but none of us are particularly great at starting campaigns. I'm curious if you're looking at building campaign frameworks or something along that line in the future, or at least a suggested mission flow or something along that line. I don't use Facebook, so maybe something that like that exists or it's in the bestiary, which I haven't picked up yet. Thanks for your time. Regards, Kevin. So, that is actually a really good question, Kevin. Um, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but I'm talking to him anyway. I actually already replied to him via email, so there's that. But anyway, it's a really good question because campaigns are a hard thing to start. And what I like to do is I like to give my... Like in the case of Brutality, you could be fighting over a map campaign. You could be trying to cover territory or, or take over trade routes or whatever. But generally, it's more about your warband surviving in Brutality. And you are doing different missions where you collide with other warbands and you're fighting against things. Like maybe you get uh, the bounty mission, I forget what it's called in the rulebook, but the bounty mission where you both fight against you're trying to take this captive. And it's like a really high bounty on his head, so you're trying to fin you know, grab him by the end of the game. And that is like a perfect example because, okay, one of you probably got the contract for getting this guy, and then the other one of you her overheard it, or whatever, or maybe you also picked up the contract for it, and you're going to do it, or 
Maybe the one group has the contract for this guy and the other group is trying to defend this guy because he's their friend or whatever. So you can easily make that into a reason for playing each mission. In the Brutality full rulebook, I actually have a Y, W-H-Y, Y chart. And there's big Ys and there's little Ys. And what I mean by that, and this applies to Warhammer as well, when you're doing a campaign, you should have figured out your big Y and your little Y if you're doing things narrative. The big Y is the... Well, let me start with the little Y. The little Y is the specific mission and why you are doing it. Like I just mentioned, if your friend is going to be captured by these bounty hunters and you're trying to defend them, or vice versa, well, that is your little why, why you are playing this mission. But your big why is kind of an overarching reason why your warband exists. And I have a whole table on it in the book. Um, I don't have the book in my lap right this moment, but essentially it could be like, your guns for hire. Okay, so let's say you're hired your mercenaries. Well, in that case, this dude has hired you to protect him because he knows there's a bounty on his head if you're protecting him. Or, I mean, very simply, if you're the one going after him, well, then you're mercenaries, so no duh. Um, if you are assaulting a person like the merchant in one of the missions or you're trying to get objectives, you are a mercenary. You've been hired for something. Okay, let's take another one of the big whys. Um you are trying to escape from point A to point B. Well, then it becomes more about survival. So you roll up a mission and say, mission number seven is whatever, right? And you're trying to get these objectives. Well, what does getting objectives have to do with you escaping? Let's say you're escaping a prison or whatever. Why do you want these objectives? Well, that's easy. It could be ammunition. It could be food. It could be medical supplies. It could be literally anything that your warband may want for narrative purposes. So there's that. Um, if you're robots, and then, then it goes into what type of warband you have. If you're all robots, maybe this was a shipment that got, you know, the, the machine or the, um, the merchant crashed. And all these things are scattered about, and they're power cells, or they're crystals, or whatever that you robots can use. Or maybe there's spare parts of other robots that you can use to repair yourself. Or if you're a wizard, it could be the same thing. These are gems sticking out of the ground that naturally grow, and you can use them for magical or medicinal purposes, or whatever. It could be a weapons cache, and, you know, there's that. Um, but, so really, it doesn't take a whole lot of a leap to figure out, okay... What's my big why, and that's the general direction why you exist and what your purpose is in the brutality or in a Warhammer campaign. Then the small why is the easiest part because you're in the mission. So, oh, why are we fighting this mission? Oh, it's because this X, Y, or Z makes sense to me, narratively. And that is how you get a campaign going narratively. Any time that we play a Warhammer mission, we always talk about, okay, so you guys... Oh, here's a perfect example. It's a game I played a month or two ago with Just James. He was playing Dark Eldar, and I was playing my Grey Knights, I believe. Yes, I was playing my Grey Knights. And we had objectives on the board. And what were those objectives? Oh, they were civilians. And his Dark Eldar, we quickly figured out... His Dark Eldar were trying to steal these people for captives, and we, they might have been important 
people to us. You know, they could have been politicians or, or whatever, something that the Grey Knights did not want to fall into Dark Eldar hands. Or, you know what, maybe they had already been tainted by chaos and the Grey Knights wanted to make sure these people died and were not transformed into grotesques or something else um, and continue living. So it's pretty easy. It doesn't take very much at all to give narrative flair to your missions or to a campaign. You could say, oh, I'm Imperial Fists, and the reason for me participating in this campaign, and I'm coming up with this off the top of my head, is because my commander, don't use a named character, my commander has been dishonored. He made a really bad choice in battle, you know, 10 years ago or 50 years ago, because these guys live long. And he is trying to always outdo himself and outdo expectations. So he's going into this enemy-infested area trying to prove himself as a leader because of that past mistake. That sort of thing. That would be a big why, you know? Um, so really, that's what it comes down to. And I like that neat little system I made for brutality. The big why and the little why. Why are you doing this mission and what is your overall goal? And that is how you do it. Um, as far as actually choosing the mission in a campaign, we usually roll for it or we just decide something that we want to do. Um, in Brutality, we usually just roll for it because there's 10 basic missions and there's five AI missions. And then there's several other free missions on the Facebook page to download. But um, Warhammer, we don't even usually use real missions. We'll just decide, oh, here's what we're doing. And that's that. Um, so anyway. That is basically my um, approach to narrative campaigns, and it really is not rocket science. It's very simple. Thanks for writing in, Kevin, if you're listening to this. Want that or want that not? This week on Want That or Want That Not, we are covering the Bandai Ultramarines Captain Action Figure, and it Games Workshop, have you lost your damn mind? I'm sorry, have you lost your damn mind? The reason why I ask this is that my friend Derek sent me this, and I I truly thought it was a prank. You know how they've been making uh, action figures, you know? They made the Necron, Sisters of Battle, the Space Marine, uh, making a couple different things, yeah. Oh, what are the... What are the price? What are the price ranges on those things? Ah, the first ones I think were twenty twenty five. I think the later ones are like forty. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's a it's a neat action figure. Whatever. They even came with unpainted versions, so you can paint your own. You don't have to paint over their paint. And you know, all all in all, this has been really cool. Um, they just announced the Ultramarines Captain action figure. Just just give me a guess. How much you think this is? It's an action figure. Eight inches tall. Eight inches tall. Would you say $50 for this? Hmm. Higher than that. A hundred, you say? A hundred for an action figure? Are you out of your mind? Actually, it's higher than that. A hundred and fifty? Nope. A hundred and eighty dollars for an... <laughs> nope. You cannot tell me it is two hundred dollars for this action figure. $200, well, it's not, because it's $240, 
I almost feel like this is a, a typo. $240. This one 8-inch action figure is an entire, more than entire starter set in money. I just, I th- truly think they have lost their damn mind. I don't understand where they think, but you know what? Uh, we're not there yet in the show yet, but uh, we're going to be discussing boycotts. And let me guess, this mofo is going to sell out, you know, as soon as it can. Actually, it won't sell out and because it's made to order. And funny enough, they say this product is made to order and will be delivered in 210 working days. Now, first you're like, oh, 210 working days. Wait a second. 210 working days. Is that a year? That's that's probably a year. Maybe it's it's a little less than a year. Maybe eight months. But I, the, this whole th- I am I am truly baffled. They have gone insane. If anybody, listen, I'm just saying this right now. If any one of you assholes come up to me holding this two hundred and forty dollar action figure, I'm gonna look you square in the eye, and I'm gonna be like. Hey, that's a pretty cool action figure. Yeah, that's how I'll be. I'm not confrontational. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to punch you in the dick. And if you don't have one, I'll punch you elsewhere. I don't care. You, you it Just, oh my God, $240, absolutely ridiculous. So let's actually look at this action figure. The action figure looks exactly how you think it would look. The action figure is in, uh, what is it called? The armor, uh, Gravis armor. The action figure is in Gravis armor, and he's cool looking. He's got a wrist-mounted um, storm bolter or a heavy bolter—I can't tell. Uh, power sword, really neat. Iron halo. I mean, the action figure is no doubt cool. I will spit in your face if you try to sell this to me for two hundred and forty dollars. I will act. I will. St- I will shove my fingers down my throat and throw up on your shoes if you come up to me offering me a two hundred and forty-dollar action figure. I will poop in your coffee, is what I'll do. I'm going to grab your coffee, and I'm just going to poop in it, okay? If you come up to me trying to sell me this $240 Ultramarines Captain action figure, and you have your dog with you, I'm going to steal your dog and send it to the pound for adoption. Uh, No kill shelter. I'm not that mean. But the point is, is I will do something horrible and or disgusting to you. If you come up to me and try to sell me this $240 action figure, I just, this is beyond me. Um, I'm not trying to be overly negative, but, but good God, $240. I just, I am beyond myself. Also, uh, this is Bandai, right? Doesn't Bandai do model kits? This is, it's an action figure. But isn't that, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I thought Bandai did like Gundam, I guess they also do action figures. Because I don't see anywhere on here where it's like, oh, build him. I don't see that. (sighs) Wow. This This is a new, this price is a new high and thus it's a new low. So it does look like all of his fingers move, which is pretty impressive. 
And I'm sure his trinkets all move. Um, the images of him are in several different poses. So he is highly articulated. $240. You can go kiss my butt. That's ridiculous. All right, I'm moving on to this because my blood pressure is all up now. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey, it is time for the Real Talk with the Pimpcron. And today we are discussing boycotts. That's right. Everybody was talking about boycotting Games Workshop. So first off, why does everybody want to boycott Games Workshop? Well, they want to boycott them because they are furious about the IP issues going on right now with Games Workshop not wanting people to make fan animations or anything like that unless it's in-house for their Warhammer Plus. And we've already kind of dis discussed that uh, a bit anyway with the legality of that, and it's well within their right to do that. This is their IP. Now, you may think they're being heavy-handed with it. You may not agree with the way they're going about it, or you may not agree at all that this is their right, but it legally is. But the idea has risen quite a bit about boycotting, and there have been several petitions about boycotting. There's been several movements of people saying, well, I'm not buying the Hexfire box set, and I'm not buying the new AOS 3.0 box set, and all this stuff. So, first off, what are you expecting to get out of a boycott? Let's just talk that over just for a second. The idea of a boycott is that you don't agree with something that a company is doing, therefore you stop buying any of their product. And if enough of you stop buying their product, then they are going to hear your plight or your grievances, and then they are going to be forced to change because you're affecting their pocketbook. So, in theory, boycotts do work, certainly. But most industries are not... Wargaming. <laughs> if you started, let's say, Domino's Pizza, I'm just going to pick something random, right? Um, if they piss you off enough and piss enough people off that you just stop ordering there altogether and you get enough people not ordering Domino's Pizza anymore, then they are going to eventually feel that in their wallet and they're going to go, oh my gosh, we need to bow down to whatever these people are complaining about. But Games Workshop, because there are other pizza places you can go to, you know, but Games Workshop is the largest miniatures company, period. It just is. And that's a little bit like trying to fight Walmart. Now, of course, Walmart and Games Workshop are two very different things. But if you look in their own little biomes, you know, War uh, Walmart is the world's largest retailer. So in the retailer biome, they're number one. Games Workshop is the probably the world's largest miniatures maker, and they are number one in their little biome. So that's basically when there is only one major choice, and there's a bunch of smaller choices like Malifaux or Mantic or whatever, but if there's one major choice, you would have to get so many people on board as far as a boycott for them to even notice that you're upset. I mean, they don't even know it. Not only is Games Workshop the biggest in their little biome, but a lot of war gamers, and sometimes I include myself in this, are compulsive buyers. We have been suckling at the teat of Games Workshop for far too long, 
And a lot of people want to get the bright, new, shiny, powerful codex or miniatures or unit or character or whatever. And a lot of us, I mean, how many of us have piles of shame where we've never even assembled or never even painted the models that we have? And do we continue to buy more? Why, yes, we do. There has to be some sort of psychological addiction, like compulsive buying in any field, really. I mean, there's people that I know that spend inordinate amount of money on Amazon. And I'm just talking, I'm not talking about groceries. I'm not talking about things that you need. You know, I order my toothpaste through Amazon. I'm talking about they just literally will scan Amazon and buy things randomly with basically no rhyme or reason. That is a compulsion. And we get that high off of buying new things and, and acquiring new materials, right? So when it comes to Games Workshop, most of us are, are kind of addicted to it, kind of addicted to the thrill of assembling or or even if you don't assemble, just buying something and putting it on a shelf. And I think the people that were calling for a boycott had too lofty of goals or they too high of expectations on this whole boycott thing because they underestimated how much they themselves and also their peers in the wargaming community are basically addicted consumers. And I'm not bashing anybody. We've all got that pile of shame somewhere. I don't know a single wargamer, not a single one. And I know dozens, dozens and dozens of wargamers through Shorehammer and all that online and all that. I don't know a single person that does not have a pile of shame. Now, any reasonable person that is not making compulsive buys would never have a pile of shame. Like, why would you do that? That's I would logically buy a box of something that I wanted, and did I buy it for no reason? No, I bought it because I wanted those models. Well, am I going to keep them in the box? No, I'm not. So I'm going to take them out, and I'm going to assemble them, and I'm going to paint them, and I'm going to finish it. And then, when all of that is done, I go oh, you know what, I would like this unit now, and then I would make that second purchase. But nobody does that. Nobody. And with the dominoes metaphor, probably none of you are addicted to purchasing dominoes. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two of you, but the majority of us are not addicted to Domino's pizza. You may really like it, you may prefer it, you may buy it frequently, but you're not addicted to it. To the point where you could not, if you were going to boycott them, you could not switch to Papa John's or Pizza Hut or any of the other ones, a local one. But in the case of Games Workshop, many of us are not willing to buy other miniatures from other companies or get into other games. We love Warhammer. We love, in a way, we love Games Workshop, or at least we love their product. And so it's really, really hard to have the mental strength and the discipline to hold yourself back from buying something in a game that you love and that you enjoy and not feeding that addiction. It's just, it's just a problem. So everybody did their petitions. Everybody did their campaigns to boycott Games Workshop to really stick it to the old man there. And how did that work out for Hexfire? Well, my sources say that Hexfire sold out in like three hours online. <laughs> you guys, come on. You couldn't even... Yeah, I guarantee you half the people that were crying boycott still bought the Hexfire box. 
But they probably they probably still did. It's just it's ridiculous. Or or you know what? They were really sticking it to the man. They didn't buy it through Games Workshop. What they did is they bought it through their local gaming store and they bought it on eBay where it was already split up and that stuck at the Games Workshop. Of course it didn't because where does that vendor get it from? They get it from Games Workshop. So either way, Games Workshop's making money. So, um, yeah, Hexfire, um, it, it, it sold out like immediately. So good job, guys. Boycott successful. Games Workshop is definitely going to be changing their tune. I got to tell you. It's, I don't know, I guess it's in, in poor form to be making fun of this because a lot of people are upset about it. And I do see both sides. I feel like Games Workshop's being a little heavy-handed, but, I mean, that's their right. So it's like, it's kind of like this, okay? If you are at somebody else's house and you spill a drink by accident, you didn't mean to, you spill a drink and they fly off the handle and they say, get the F out of my house, and they're screaming and hollering, you would logically think, okay, well, they're in they're well within their rights to tell me to leave their house because this is their private property, right? But don't you think they're going a little overboard? I just accidentally spilled a drink. But meanwhile, they're like cracking a whip at you and throwing things. They're just completely overreacting. But it's well within their right to be unreasonable and to kick you off their private property. It's the same thing with Games Workshop. So I was not full of hope for this boycott uh, campaign. And when they declared it, all those people were like, oh, Boycott Games Workshop. I'm like, dude, there's no way. You cannot. Do you know how many people would suddenly be on methadone to try to kick the habit of Games Workshop if they actually stopped buying Games Workshop? It's uh, and, and I'm not making fun of you. I have said this many, many times on the podcast that I come from a dirt cheap gaming background. When I was a teenager and in my early 20s and all that, when I was making board games and I was making miniatures games and all that, if I had to spend 20 bucks in materials, I was like, dude, is this even worth it? (laughs) So I completely get it when I say that now I look at a $60 character, you know, like a Dreadnought or something. And I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, I get it. I completely get it. I, too, have also been conditioned to be a consumer, and that is something I really don't like about this hobby. And of course, they don't make you do it. It's just something that you're like, oh, I want that unit. Oh, I want that unit. And now, you know, it just snowballs. So, although to be honest, I have not bought anything in a couple months at all. Haven't bought anything. So, there's that's a positive, I suppose. Anyway, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And hopefully, it wasn't too negative or anything like that. Like I said, I'm trying to keep this positive. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show, and thank you to my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons over on what website? Patreon.com slash PimpCron. And I will see you next week, y'all.